Word of God here this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we're going to begin there in verse 1. We're going to see the first miracle of the Lord Jesus here this morning when he turned the water into wine. And uh, I do not believe for a number of reasons this is alcoholic wine, just going ahead and throw it out there, but I'm not preaching on that specifically this morning, so I'm not going to get into all that. But John chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12, some things I'd like for us to see here today, I think it'd be a blessing to you. I've entitled this message, Field and Thrilled. Field and Thrilled. How many of you like your cup to be full? Amen. I tell you what, I know I do. Uh, and, you know, it was the other day I was at the house and, you know, I've been accustomed now for the last bit in uh, the tea that we, we just get tea from the store, you know, in the little five-gallon five gallon jug, the one-gallon. <laughs> I don't get it in the five-gallon jug, but we get it in the one-gallon jugs there from the store. And, you know, just been accustomed to doing that, but we always made our own sweet tea at the house. And, uh, but I've been for years now, I ain't been doing it. So the other day, and so we made some, <laughs> the other day I made some tea. And it had been so long, I done forgot how you normally made it. And so I was asking Amy, I said, how do we do this thing again? And, and so I made up my tea, and then she, I remembered we put two and a half cups of sugar in our sweet tea. And I tell you what, when you put two and a half cups of sugar in that sweet tea, it'll light you up. And uh, it is good stuff. Boy, that's, that's like nectar from heaven. I mean, right, I mean, just pouring right out. And uh, so I made some tea the other day, and I filled it up. And I tell you what, I've had about two gallons since then. And uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it this morning, but uh, filled and thrilled here today. I like my cup being full, and as we get into the Word of God here this morning, I kind of want us to see what it's like to be filled, because when we are, we're thrilled, And but what, what are we filled with is going to definitely make the difference uh, in our life. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, let's begin there in verse 1, then we'll get into our truths here today. The Bible says there in verse 1, and the third day... And there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, there in, uh, there in verse 1, uh, before we really kind of get into the, the first truth, there in verse 1, I want us to see the significance of when the Bible says there in verse 1, notice it says, and the third day. What's the significance of the third day? I mean, why, why does that really matter? I mean, what's the really point in bringing that up? Well, I think there's a number of different reasons why that the Lord wanted to bring, us that, uh, bring that to our attention. And I think one of the reasons why, of course, when we think about the third day in the scriptures, uh, the third day stood for a lot. And uh, also when we think about the Jews, whenever they got married, often, not, not, not every one of them, of course, but, uh, but a lot of them would get married on the third day of the week. Now they go, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, their Sabbath was on Saturday. So the first day of the week, Sunday, we go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday's third day. Uh, and when we look in creation and we see the... Uh, we see the third day of creation and all the things that were made on the third day. Of course, the waters were separated, the dry ground appeared, and God sowed all the trees and the plants and, uh, and sowed them all. They were barren seed and they were ripe and ready uh, there as he created them. Uh, and so that is a good picture of what they desire for the marriage to be. They desire for the marriage to be fruitful. They desire for it to be plenteous. They desire for it to, uh, their marriage to represent the third day. But not only that, but on the third day was the only day of creation where God said it was good twice. And so they considered that to be a doubly blessed day. And so getting married on a Tuesday, the third day, 
was just a lot of was just something that a lot of the Jews would practice. And as I said, it doesn't mean everyone, but it was something that they did. And also, when they got married, and the whole wedding ceremony often would take uh, several days. But something interesting that I was wanted to bring to your attention as we think about the third day, and of course, the Lord Jesus coming in on the scene here on the third day of this wedding. Now, if you jot this down in your notes in Exodus chapter 19, verse 11, uh, the Bible also tells us that whenever God's people, of course, when they got to Mount Sinai, uh, he told them, he says, prepare yourself for the third day. And on that third day, what happened was, was uh, God delivered to them the 10 commandments that you see in Exodus chapter 20. And so, we in essence see the Lord Jesus coming in there. There he is on, on, the, on the third day, the, very, the beginning of this wedding. And we also see God's people as they begin anew with the Lord there at the bottom of Mount Sinai that he gives them the perfect law. And so we see the, uh, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God. Also we see uh, there in Exodus in 19, uh, verse 11, how God says, prepare yourself for the third day. And then he gives there in Exodus 20, he begins to speak to them and gives them the perfect law, which is the Ten Commandments. But not only do we see that, the law there in Exodus 19, 11, but we also see on the third day in Genesis 22, verse 4, now that Abraham, as he went up to offer up his son Isaac, that that uh, took place on the third day. And he carried him up there on the hill. And as he stood up there, we see that God, the Bible says, provided himself a lamb. And so we can see as uh, on this, on the third day at the beginning of this wedding, not only did it celebrate uh, a time of new beginnings and a time of blessing, you know, and, uh, and a time of and a time of fruitfulness, but we can also see uh, that uh, as we look uh, look at the Lord Jesus uh, as He comes in on the scene here, as He does His very first miracle, we see what a great representation of Christ, who is ultimately what the fulfillment of the law coming in on the scene, getting ready to perform His first miracle here. Here, turning the uh, turning the water into wine, and not only that, but we also see uh, the Lord uh, the Lord Jesus exemplified on the third day there in Genesis as uh, as the one who would be the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. As uh, Abraham uh, went up to uh, offer uh, his son uh, Isaac, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob, uh, and there, so we can see there, and the Bible says in verse one, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. What I want us to see there in verse, uh, there in verse three is the very first truth is I want us to see their emptiness. Notice there in, uh, there in verse three, the Bible says that they wanted wine, but the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They went to, they went to the Lord Jesus there whenever they were, when they had run out, when in essence the world had run out on them, when they were, when, when, when they, when the world was finished with them, there we see that they were in essence, they had nothing left. And when they had nothing left, there wasn't nothing they can do about this condition that they had. So what of course did Mary do? She went to her son, the Lord Jesus, a good picture of how Christ can be the fulfillment in our life. Not only is he the fulfillment of the law, not only is he the fulfillment of our sacrifice, but we can also see that he is the ultimate fulfillment of life in general. And when we are empty, if we'll allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God and let Christ rule and reign in our life, we'll see how much different our life can be than what this world can provide. And so there in verse 3, the Bible says that they wanted wine. 
They were desirous. They wanted to be, uh, they wanted more. They wanted to be filled, but yet uh, this world could, this world had come to its end. It could not possibly give them anything else. It could not give them any more. But I'm thankful that I stand here today knowing that my God is able to do above and exceedingly above all that we ask, that he can give us a, a measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, and that the God that I serve today, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and, and any needs that I may have and anything that I'm going through in life, that I have a God that the Bible says the earth is his and the fullness thereof, and that he can provide for me when I'm feeling empty in my life. And that's where these folks were at. They were in a place where they were empty. The wedding here they were, they were, uh, they didn't have nothing else to offer. They didn't have nothing else to give and how embarrassing it was for these folks here in that time during that day as they were providing, supposed to be the host that is providing for everybody that comes, but yet they had run out. They didn't have nothing else to give. And that is just a good picture of what this world is. This world can only give you so much and, 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 and it's going to run out and it's going to leave you dry and this world's going to leave you hanging, but I tell you what, there's a God in heaven that knows when we're running on empty and he has the ability to be able to do something about what we're going through in our life. And the first thing they did was they came to Christ. They came to Christ. Lord, what can you do about this situation that we are in? Sometimes in life, we can, of course, see here that we are run out just like they were. We're spent out just like they were. We're give out just like they were. They had nothing left. They needed a miracle. They needed God to, to, they needed the Lord to really come through and do something tremendous for them because they knew they couldn't do it for themselves. And so here in verse three, the Bible says they wanted the wine, but the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. We see their emptiness in their life. The wine there, a picture, a wine's a picture of God's blessing, a picture of, a picture of God's joy. And I tell you what, this world can only try to bless you to a certain extent. This world can only try to give you but so much. And as I said, and then it has nothing else to offer. It'll leave you, it'll leave you dry. It'll leave you barren. It can only take you so far. But we see that God, He is able to do above and exceeding. And so they had nothing. And God gave them everything. The world failed them and left them. But we see that God was going to come through. There in verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto his servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And so the second truth is I want us to see today in verses 4 and 5 is their eagerness. Notice he said in verse 5, Whatever he says to you, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And so we can see their eagerness. We, we imagine them. We see them. They, they, uh, they, need, uh, they need guidance. They need instruction. They need to know what to do in life. And, and see, and ultimately, in essence, really a great picture of us seeing today that, listen, when we're running empty, we don't know what to do. We search forever. We, go to, we look over here. Maybe this will provide me the, the happiness and the joy and the fulfillment that I desire in my life. And so we come over here and we fill ourselves up with it, only to find out that we're empty once again. And then we come over here and we fill ourselves up with it only to find out that we come up empty once again. And we come over here, the same thing that the, the, the woman at the well was doing every day, going out to draw water out of the wells of this world. And every day she came back because she was empty and the world couldn't give her what she needed in her life. 
And the Lord Jesus said, I have living water. You take this water for me and it'll be a wellspring of life for you. And listen, I think that's what God desires for us to understand this morning, that we can run out to this world and do everything we can to try to be filled up with the things of this world. But it's only gonna take us so far. It can't do but so much. But here we see not just the emptiness, but we see the eagerness. We see that the mother of Christ, she comes to him and, and goes for asking for help. And there in verse five, he goes to the servants and says, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And so I dare say, as the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God knocks on the door of your heart today, what is God saying to you? You may be sitting here this morning saying, you know what? I do feel empty in my life. I do feel like that I need to be filled up and I am coming out here to the world to try to fill myself up with these things. And Lord, I do need some help. And, and here in the text, she says, whatsoever he says to do, then you do that. So what is God dealing with you about this morning? Is God dealing with us about sin? Is God dealing with us about being obedient to him? Is God dealing with us about accepting him as our savior? Is God dealing with us about living our lives for him? What is it that God is dealing with our hearts about here today? The, uh, uh, the Mary, his mother said, whatever he says to do, then do it. I mean, that is a life of surrender. You know what that means? That means you've in essence come to a place where you know and understand you can't do nothing for yourself. There's nothing you can do about the situation. And so you just say, God, I know I'm, I'm an empty vessel here. Lord, I need to be filled. There's nothing I can do about my situation. Listen, I'm just telling you that here this morning so you can understand this too, that the Bible says that we are sinners. We're all sinners. The Bible says every single one of us that we've fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us has missed the mark and we can come out to this world and, and try to rely on this world to, uh, to, uh, to, to do uh, things in our life that'll help to change us and, and make us better or give us joy, but we all always come up empty, but it is the Lord who is the one who can really bring the fulfillment on the third day. And as they began here on this wedding, uh, she says, in essence, come to him and whatever, uh, whatever, she went to him and she said to the servants, whatever he says to do, you do it. Uh, what a life of surrender. And as I said, maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you feel empty this morning because there's sin that's had prevalence in your life. And maybe there's something else that's going on in your life. Maybe we're, you know, uh, uh, giving over to that. Maybe it is that the, the God's knocking on the door of our heart about just being obedient to him in a certain area of our life. And we're not doing that. And because of that, we're not seeing the blessing that would, that would come from that. Accepting Christ as our Savior. I mean, the greatest blessing you can ever have is the Lord Jesus himself being filled with the Spirit of God and, you know, and letting the Holy Spirit of God live and dwell with inside of you. What a blessing that is. Maybe the reason why we feel so empty uh, in our life today is because of course Christ isn't there. And the Bible says that he that has the son has life and he that has not the son of God has not life. And so if we're looking for life today, we're looking for the giver of life, the author of life, the author and finisher of our faith, then we come to Christ because it is the Holy Spirit of God who is the author of joy. That is something that God gives. The world doesn't give that. The joy, that is something that God gives. The world can provide the happiness which depends on the temporary happenings of all the things that go around you in their life. But only God can give joy. That is something given by the Holy Spirit. So whenever there's a, a chaos around us, there can be a calmness on the inside. When things is uh, when things are uh, on the outside and going on in your life, when people begin to wonder, think, how in the world can they have a smile on their face in the midst of all that they're going through? It's because we know that there is a God in heaven that sits on 
the throne that is able to provide, that there is a God in heaven that promises to never leave us nor forsake us, that there is a God in heaven that we know who can do all things, that he is our fortress, he is our high tower, that he is our shield, that he is our buckler, that he is our pavilion, that he is our mighty God. And because we know that, we find strength and fulfillment in that, but not the things of this world. We see the eagerness, she was so eager. Mary was so eager. She tells, she tells the servants there in verse five, whatever he says to do, just do it. She knew that her son could provide. We see the eagerness there in verses four and five. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and there's an eagerness in, in your heart. And as I said, God's knocking on the door of it. And he's trying to speak to you this morning. As I said, maybe it's about salvation. Maybe it's about sin. Maybe it's about just being obedient. Maybe it's just about living for him and forsaking the world and all the things that's hindering our walk and run and our Christian race with Christ. And so whatever it is that God is knocking on the door of your heart about, let us just come to this point this morning where we just say, you know what, I've had enough. I'm tired of being empty today. God, let me come to you and fill me, Lord, with yourself. And so, and now I'm going to see their emptiness. We also see their eagerness. And let's take a look at verse six. The Bible's verse six and seven. The Bible says, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three first skins apiece. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. There in verse six, what I really love about this is when we think about this great picture that we're looking at this morning of Christ coming in on the scene being the fulfillment of the law, but also being the one who is the ultimate sacrifice, uh, but also being the one where we can see that we want to begin with him. But there in verse six, he says there were six, the Bible says there were six water pots. Six, of course, and we've mentioned this many times before, is, uh, is the number of man. It is the number of sin, representing in essence like a sinful man that is present there before him. And so we could we look on further, and the Bible says there were six water pots. Notice what they were made of. The Bible says that they were made of stone. And so here we can, in essence, almost see uh, the fleshliness of man, the sin nature of man, how it is cold. And listen, the Bible says that we are born in sin, that all of us, we are born in sin. We are transgressors of God's law, but the fulfillment and the sacrifice was there present on the scene, willing to show and demonstrate to everyone that was there that if they would trust in him, that he can fill their life with that which they need. And here in the text, we see the six water pots, a great picture of man himself. There were pots of stone, the hardness of hearts and the hardness of sin, the fleshly vessels themselves. Not only that, but the Bible says there in verse six, after the manner, the Bible says that these six water pots were there after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. Because you see, before the, when you went into, before, when you went into a Jew's home, what they would have is they would have these, grip, these big water basins or water pots they would use to fill the basins with. Uh, and that was when people, when they came over, they would wash their hands and refresh themselves and wash their feet. Listen, they didn't have Nike Airs back then. People wasn't walking around necessarily in the tennis shoes that we have today. Some walked around uh, barefoot. Some just had the, uh, the, the, you know, the sandals on their feet. And so when they walked around, they got dusty and they got dirty and they got muddy, uh, not just their faces, but their hands and their feet. Uh, and so what would be provided for the folks as they come in would be a place where they can come and refresh themselves as they went to, uh, to enjoy the wedding ceremony that was there. And so we can see these water pots, these water pots of stone, and what was their purpose? 
Their purpose was there to be poured out. And the Bible says there in verse 6, for the purifying of the Jews. And the Bible says in verse 7, that is that we could see that they were empty. They had given themselves out. Uh, there was nothing else that there was there. There was nothing else that they could do. The, the, wine, the wine had run out in the, the wine had run out in the, uh, in, in the bottles that they had. And so the Lord Jesus looks over there and he looks over here at these, at these, uh, uh, at these basins, at these pots of water that were used to, to wash people with. And he looks over there and he thinks to himself, let's use those right there. Fill all those water pots up. And the Bible says they went and filled them up to the brim. What I like about this is that those water pots that they filled up were not, were not specifically used for the pouring out of the wine. There were different pots that were used for that. But he said, fill up those right there. Now, who would have ever thought about filling up those water pots right there and then, and then of course, turn them into wine? Nobody would have because that was only something God could do. That was only something that God was going to do. He had a plan for that. But the whole picture is this is that God was going to use something that was hard symbolically. God was going to use something that was hard, something that would have never been used or could have been used for this purpose to do what it was being used for, but yet God was going to take it and use it for something extraordinary. God was going to take something that was hard. God was going to take something uh, and do something that nobody else could ever possibly do through these vessels and with these vessels. And God was going to use these vessels right here to uh, do something extraordinary uh, for the people that were here. And that's what I'm just trying to get you to see and understand here this morning that we as people... And we begin to think to ourselves, what could God possibly do with me? What could God do with me in my life? Well, I'm too hard. I got too much sin. Why would God want me? I've, I've cut his name down too much. I've run him down in the dirt. And I've done this in my life. And I've done this in my life. And I've done this in my life. And I'm just too hard here this morning. Listen, I'll tell you what, the word of God, it has a way of being a hammer to grind our hearts into powder. It has a way of tilling the fallow grounds of our hearts and lives. Listen, the Bible says where his, uh, that his hand is not shortened that he cannot say. And so it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It don't matter what you got yourself involved in. It don't matter how hard your heart is. We serve a God in heaven that can help you and can bless you and can fill you if you allow God to do it. The Bible shows us here in this text, we see these in representation in perfect picture there, uh, these empty water pots uh, that were not used specifically for the purpose that they were normally being used for. But God says, you take these six water pots, a good representation of man, and you take them and these water pots were what? They were empty. There was nothing in them. There was nothing whatsoever there. And he says, you fill them up with what? Water. Fill them up with water. Let me ask you this. Now in the scriptures, what is water a good picture of? The word of God. The word of God. The word of God. The word of God. He says, listen, you want, you want, you want, you want, you want your life to change. You want things to be different. Then what I need you to do is, is we can take these six water pots that they're not even they're not even supposed to be used for this purpose. But we're gonna but we're gonna take these six water pots that are uh, that that are stone. Man, they're hard, and we're gonna use these six water pots right here and fill them up to the very brim with water. Now, who was it that filled? Who was it that filled the the water pots up? It was the people, right? They filled their, they filled the water pots up. The servants they filled the water pots up with water. What I'm trying to get us to see is 
We want our lives to change and we want our lives to be different. We want, we want ourselves to be full of something that is refreshing because what, is light, well, what, is, what does water do? It, it gives life, right? It replenishes. It is, uh, uh, it is uh, a blessing to us. It helps us to be fruitful and all those different types of things. We need water to live. And so it says, man, you take this water, which is a good picture of the Word of God. You fill yourself up. Fill that vessel up to the brim. You get it all the way up there to the top. You know, whenever I made that tea, I didn't just make it halfway. I filled it all the way up there to the top. You know why? Because I wanted all the sugar I could get. I wanted all the sugar and all the honey. I can, you know what? I'd actually drank the last bit of it right before I came into the service this morning. I pulled the tea jug out. There wasn't but just a little in there. And I poured it in my cup. I didn't have about this much. I was pretty discouraged. And I poured it out. And as I was pouring, I was letting it drip. And I was just. Anybody else ever do that? Am I the only one that's guilty? When, you, when there's something good in there, you want every bit of it, right? Okay. And there I was in there doing this right here. Because I wanted every drop to come out. And we fill ourselves up with the word of God. Why, man? Because it is good. You fill it up to the brim. Why? Because it is good. And we allow ourselves and we allow our life to be filled with the word of God. And when we become filled with the word of God, it changes our life. It changes our life. And so we can see these water pots were now filled with water. The Bible says in verse 6, And there were set there six water pots of stone. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three first cans apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. We see their effort. They put in their effort. One, we see their emptiness. Two, we see their eagerness. Three, we see their effort. They, they, desired, for their, they desired for these water pots to be filled. They desired for, just, they, they had a desire to see what is Jesus going to do. What is Jesus going to do? I tell you what, this morning, I think what maybe we ought to do in our lives is just, maybe we can just be excited about what Jesus is going to do. Be excited about what is Jesus going to do in my life? And we allow ourselves to be filled with the word of God. We allow, we, we, we let the Lord change and mold our lives and say, what is the Lord Jesus going to do? Listen, one of the reasons why we fail to see some of the things is because we have no desire to be filled with the word of God. And I don't mean being filled with the word of God and in, uh, uh, in, in an antagonistic, an, an uh, I can even say it this morning, antagonistic way. I think I said that right. Not in that kind of way where we are resisting and fighting with the Holy Spirit, but letting God have his perfect work. Yeah. Lord, what are you, you going to do in my life? I want to see, God, what you can do in my life. And we let the Lord fill us up with his word. We, we fill ourselves up with God's word. Let God change your life. Notice he says in the text, verse 6, verse 7, the Bible says, And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim, all the way up to the top. Verse 8, And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. What I like about verse 8 is not only do we see their effort, but we also see their engagement. 
And there in verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus told them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And see, somewhere between verse 7 and verse 8, the Lord turned that water into wine. Somewhere between verse 7 and verse 8, God turned the water into wine. And I dare say probably in true fashion as we look through the Old Testament and see how God's done things and we understand that we walk by faith and not by sight, that as we take those steps of faith, then that's when the, thing, that's when the miracles begin to happen. And I, and I believe with all my heart that whenever he told them to draw it out, that as they began to draw it out, that's whenever it turned from water into wine. When they put their faith and they trusted in what God was telling them to do, what Jesus was telling them to do, that it was at that moment that God did this, the the Lord Jesus did this very first miracle there for the people. As you draw out, notice what else he said there in the text. And he turned this water into wine. The Bible says in verse 8, And he said to them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. I see what I love about this, uh, what I love about this engagement is that not only did they have the faith to draw it out and do what he said to do, they were obedient to what the Lord said. But we, and so we can see, and, and they were drawing, they were drawing this, uh, uh, they were drawing this water that was turned into wine out of what? The basins that were used for the purifying of the people. The basins that were used for the purifying of the people. And so when that water was turned into wine, and that wine is a picture of what? The blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ. And whenever he when they would whenever they would dip in there and they would pour that out, that what that would symbolize symbolically is that whenever we would we take part in the Lord's Supper. And we take part in the Lord's Supper, you know, and it's a picture of what Christ has, has done for us. It's a picture of the blood of the Lord Jesus, how it is pure and how it is uh, sinless and how it is, it is perfect. And the Bible shows us here, there in verse 9, we see their engagement. They got involved. These vessels were used for the purification of the people. And it was in these very vessels that God turned the water into wine, which was a picture of the blood of Jesus. And this, and this, and this wine, uh, which is a picture of the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ does what to us? It purifies us and it cleanses us and, 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 it, and, and it helps us. It gives us. It cleanses us from our sin, gives us a new name written down in glory. And so we can see there in verse 8, he said to them, draw out now and bear unto the governor. What I also like about verse 8 is that this wasn't something they were to keep to themselves, but they were to share it. See that there in verse 8? Notice he said, and he said to them, draw out now. He didn't say keep it to yourself. Because what was the whole purpose in making it for? To share it with everybody. To share it with everybody. And so we can see part of their engagement in this is taking that which God had done and sharing it with the folks that were around them. For what purpose? So that they can see. So that they can know. So that they can experience how great Jesus is and what Christ can do for them in their life, how they don't have to remain empty, how they don't have to remain fruitless, how they don't have to remain the way they are, but that God can use them. Yes, the, the, the stony heart. Yes, the one, that is, uh, the one that is sinful. Yes, an ordinary person that God can change your life if you allow yourself to be filled up with the word of God and that God can change your life. He can cleanse your life, purify your life and let you... and. and 
and, and, and then you in turn take that and you share it with other people. You take what I have done for you and you take what I have given you and you, you share it with somebody else and you give it to somebody else and you give it to somebody else because they need it just as much as we do. Just as much as we do. Listen, the, I have no righteousness of my own other than the righteousness that Christ has given me. And listen, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner every day. And the only difference between me and the lost man out there is that I'm just, I've just accepted Christ as my personal Savior and he's washed away my sins. And I know I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm still a sinner. And I still sin every day from the pulpit to the pew, every single one of us. And we got to ask for God's help. God, help me to live for you. God, help me to be the man of God, the woman of God that I need to be for you. Help me, God, to every day be filled. Help me, God, to every day be purified in my heart. Help me every day, not, not just to be halfway filled, to enjoy some of your blessing, but Lord, I wanna, I wanna go to that refrigerator and I wanna pull, the, I wanna pull that tea out and I wanna keep filling up that vessel and I don't never wanna run out because the Lord is sweet to me. Amen. Amen. Bible shows us here in verse 8 he says draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast and so we take it out we engage ourselves it has a transforming purifying power to cleanse our life the blood of Jesus does symbolized here and then we are to take it and evangelize it with other folks and give it to other people the fifth truth is let's see their enjoyment Take a verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth the good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. We can see that after they were filled by pitcher with the word of God and after God had changed their life and cleansed their life in those vessels of stone, that we can see that after God did this tremendous miracle work in their life, that what happened is as they began, as they began to share it around, the ones who at once looked at as they were taking part of the world, because the world was offering them something and the world run them dry, the world let them down and it wasn't really all that good. They just thought it was good. Have you ever been into a place, you know, or, or had this experience sometime where you thought something was good, but then you had something better and realized what you ate before wasn't really all that great? You ever been like that before? I mean, you went somewhere and you thought, man, this ain't too bad. This is pretty good. And then you had something else that was, that was maybe like that, but just... Maybe cook different or something else was added to it. And many thought, wow, man, this is a whole lot better than that. Listen, the world has this imitation that will do everything it can to imitate, imitate what you would find, what you would, they imitate happiness, imitate joy and give you happiness. Imitate lots of other things in your life to, to keep you going down that path so that you don't seek or look to nothing else. And here we see this guy, he was so used to having the world. He was so used to ingesting within himself the things that the world had to offer that he had no clue what it was really like to ingest in himself something as pure and good as the Lord himself. He had no clue. He had no idea. 
And you say, well, preacher, I just don't understand why, why, why they don't get it. I just don't understand why they don't. They don't neither. Understand that. They have no clue. Because the Holy Spirit of God isn't living and dwelling within them. And until they know, what does the Bible say? That those that are lost, that they are spiritually discerned. And because the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live and dwell within them, they don't know what it's like to be filled with the Spirit of God. They can provide for them and give them something that the world can't. You know, I can sit here and tell you, oh, this right here is better. I can sit here and say, oh, yeah, this right here is good. I know you've tried that. But listen, I tell you, well, why don't you come over here and try this? Now, I can tell you how good this is, but you're never going to know. You can, you can act, I can give you the recipe for how good this is. And you can read the recipe on how good this is. And I can tell you how good this is. But if you don't ever go over and take it and ingest it into yourself, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. You're never going to know. You have to ingest it in yourself. Fill yourself up with the word of God. Let God change your life. Let God do a miracle. And when that happens, you'll be like this guy. Notice there in verse 10, the Bible says, And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine unto now. What I like about verse 10 is that he noted that he says there in the text, he says, every man at the beginning. Well, you know what I like about God? Is that God is not like every other man. He says, this is the way every other man does it. He puts forth that which is good first. But Jesus isn't like every other man. He's completely different. Completely different than every other man. Every man puts forth that which is good for us. He says, but you, you have saved the best unto last. There in verse 10, then the, but thou hast kept the good wine until now because God changes our life. God transforms our life. The Lord helps us to mold, uh, he molds us and he makes us into someone completely different. He uses the extraordinary to do something extraordinary. And God is not like every other man. Here in the text, what a blessing that we can see of their enjoyment. Once they tasted what Christ had to offer, I would dare say they had probably no desire to go back and taste the former again. Once you've already had that which is good, why in the world go back to something which is less? Amen? Once you've already had something that is good, and you say, wow, man, this is, this is great. That's why I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm ever going to go to the grocery store and buy that Milo C again, I just don't know. <laughs> I like my tea and my Pepsi, but I can't make that. But it just makes sense this morning. After we've tasted that which is good, why would we go back to something that is inferior and I think that that's part of the message that Christ wants us to see today is that, listen, if you're lost, get saved. Let God fill your life with his word and change your life and do a miracle inside of you. The world has let you down. It has promised to fill you up and has now left you empty. And God is knocking on the door of your heart, asking you and desiring you to be filled with him. To stop searching out here in this world to try to find that which you think is going to bring you fulfillment. And let Christ change your life and bring you and your life, bring you the joy that you're looking for.
Not some cheap imitation. Not something that, not something that the world desires to make to try to imitate something that's good. I'm, not, I'm talking about something that is made by God himself. Made by God himself. And that's part of the difference. And there in verse 10, the Bible says, And every man at the beginning does set forth the good wine, and men, when, when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou kept the good wine until now. In verse 11, we see the very last one. All the other ones I've been talking about there, 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 there. But now I want us to see his. And there in verse 11 and 12, my last truth is, the sixth one, is his emergence. The, verse, the Bible says in verse 11 and 12. Notice verse 11. The Bible says, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. You see, I like that word beginning because, <clears throat> of course, it represents something that's starting. But I like that word beginning there because after that really begins, now the Lord Jesus, I think, recorded, we have 37 miracles that God recorded that we see in the Scriptures but if you was to take a look at the very last chapter of this book and look at the very last verse. Let's just do it this morning. Let's look at the very last chapter. John chapter 21, right before the book of Acts. John chapter 21, verse 25. John 21, verse 25, and the Bible says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did. Well, I'm going to get a Baptist to shout on this one probably. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Can I get an amen on that one? The world itself could not contain the books that should be written. So when I look back here in John chapter 2 and I look at verses 11 and I see verse 11, the Bible says the beginning of miracles did Jesus and Cana of Galilee. That was just the beginning. When God does that miracle of salvation in your life, that's just the beginning. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's just the beginning. You ain't seen nothing yet. I can tell you this. I've been saved for a long time. I've been saved for, I got saved when I was 10. Backslid from God though. Lived like the devil for many years. And God redirected my heart. Got me back on track when I was in my early 20s. And God called me to preach then after I lived a life of sin. But I can tell you this. After, I can tell you this. I, I would not trade not one day, not one second, not one hour of, of, of my past life for not one, for not one minute of the time I've lived for Christ. Would not trade it, not one bit. God has been good and God has been faithful. And when I see all the things that God has done and, and, and how he's worked in my life, but not just mine, listen, I can make up a fairy tale on my own and make it sound good, but how can I do that possibly with every single one of you here today? Every single one of you here this morning has got a story on how good God's been and how God's came through and miracles that maybe perhaps happened in, in your life or, or your family's life or in the life of your kids. And I mean, I can come up here and, and make up a story and make everybody ooh and ah and say, wow, that's amazing. But man, how can I, but, but every single one of us here today have something that we can say. Wow, I mean, a man would may listen to me, and so I don't think I'll believe what he says, but what if they listen to 137? 
and say, yeah, I can bear without, without, with the truth that what he's saying is right. It's just the beginning there in verse 11. The Bible says the beginning of miracles that Jesus and, uh, did, uh, did Jesus and Cain of Galilee. And as we stop with this, just understanding this morning that salvation is just the beginning of what God can do in your life. It is nowhere near the end. And let me tell you this, from the moment that we die and we're raised up into heaven and we walk into the gates of heaven and we see the, and we see the Lord Jesus in all of his glory and all of his majesty and see him in all of his power and we see him for who he is, there will be a miracle every single day for eternity. It's a miracle that we're even sitting here this morning. His mercies are renewed, as the Bible says, every single morning. Every single morning. Getting saved just beginning. Hey, if you're sitting here lost today, the fact that God's been so merciful to still give you another chance is a witness to another miracle. And God's given you a miracle and you don't even see it. You don't even realize it. But he's knocking on the door of your heart, desiring to change your life. Don't be filled with this world. It's going to let you down. Let God fill you with his word. Let God change your life. Let God begin a tremendous process in your life to live for, live for him now and on to eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, you are so good. Lord, I pray here this morning. As the message was delivered, that, Lord, that your word would find its lodging place in all of our hearts. And God, you know what we all need to hear from heaven. And the greatest thing that can ever happen to a man is that he gets saved. That he would give his life to you. And as the piano plays, and you think about who you are, and you think about your life, and you think about where you're at, you, you think about today, if I died today, do I know that I'd go to heaven? I'm not talking about what I think I might. I'm not talking about, well, maybe. I'm not talking about uh, uh, not knowing, unsure. I'm talking about this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, you know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Listen, I can't get you there, but I can do this. I can point you to the man that can. I can point you to the Savior who can change your life if you'll let him. Not just on what somebody else is saying, but the word of God itself. May God change you this morning. If you're here today and you're saying, Preacher, I'm not saved. If I died today, I believe I'd go to hell. The Bible says your life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So here today, while you have the opportunity, the Bible says call upon him while he is near. And the Lord Jesus said himself, all that come to me I will in no wise cast out. So whatever it is that you have today, I encourage you to bring it to him. If it's about salvation, preach, I'm not saved. I need to get saved. Nobody's looking but me and God, but does that speak to anyone here this morning? Preach, I'm not saved. I need to get saved. I want to know more about salvation. Anybody like that here this morning? 
as we stand to our feet and we open up the altar today. If you want to come, I encourage you to come. Maybe part of your prayer is this. Lord, I've been living for the world. I have gotten away. But I'm asking today, Lord, for your forgiveness. I'm asking for a new start. I'm asking for a fresh filling today. I'm asking, Lord, that you change me this morning. If it's about salvation, the greatest gift that a man can possibly ever receive, then please don't walk out those doors the same way you came in. But you can pray even there from your seat. Just understand, just saying a prayer, just to have words to say, going through some ritualistic prayer without any meaning or motive is not going to save you. But if you honestly, from your heart, desire to be saved, you can pray something like this. I know I'm a sinner. Jesus here this morning, just asking you for forgiveness. I'm asking you to be my Lord my Savior. Thank you for saving me. The thief on the cross simply said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And salvation is not something difficult and hard for us. It is freely given. And it is God's desire that every man be saved. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Could be we're on the altars here this morning and we're just saying, Lord, I need to be filled this morning. God, I need to be changed. Lord, help my life to be filled with your word. God, I pray today that you'd change me from this day hence. That my life would be an example. That my life would be a blessing to other people that are around me. And God, that you'd help me to take this goodness that you have given me and help me to share it with others. The Lord Jesus showed us there in the Word. He says, draw out now. Listen, it is God's desire for you to have what He has right now. He didn't say wait till tomorrow. He didn't say wait till later. The Bible says that Jesus said draw out now. This is your chance and this is your opportunity here this morning.
That's right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Thankful for the Lord this morning. Thankful for his blessings. He's faithful even when we are not. Amen. All right. Let's be dismissed in prayer today. Thank you.